This is Southern Tier Close-Up on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Kathy White, and this is the Southern Tier Close-Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of this station. Joining me again, we've had you on a few times during this whole thing, Stacy Duncan from the Greater Binghamton Chamber of Commerce. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I know a lot, lot to talk about. It's an ever-fluid and changing environment we're in so i'm happy to be here to 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 uh, to connect with you i have to say i think things maybe i'm just being delusional but it, it seems to me things have even though they're still changing they we've gotten maybe into a routine and things have gotten more on an even keel uh as far as kind of expecting the unexpected but for businesses gosh i feel so bad for them 2020 has been okay you can open no you can't open okay you can open with this number of people but now now you can't open with that number of people and now it's got to be a certain i mean you as kind of uh, uh the shepherd of the flock for the local economic front with the chamber of commerce what have you guys been dealing with and and how have you been helping the businesses in our area try their very best to stay afloat Sure. Yeah, I think you know. If I think there was so much anticipation of the unknown of how long, you know, this was going to last, and what we thought was going to be a short-term crisis, as we are now seeing, you know, has turned out to be um, a much longer process and something we ha- we've had to learn to live with, really. Uh, so if you're, uh, you know, if you're a meditator, it's all about you know being present. Uh, I think our community and our our businesses have had to um, become really nimble and agile in living in the present because we things are changing uh, so quickly in many ways. But the one thing we know that will be constant for the, the you know month weeks and year ahead is uh, that we'll still be living with some level of um, of this pandemic. All right. So yeah, and so, you know I think. I think we all would like to, you know, wake up on January 1st, 2021 and hit it and, and assume there will be an automatic reset button and and we can walk away from, from a lot of these challenges. But the reality of it is I think we should, uh, we're best able to, you know, counsel our businesses to prepare for more of the same. And I think they're doing a great job in, in that. Um, and I think what they're learning how to do is... Um, to, to navigate the, the uncertainty, uh, and, and that's a really, you know, something that I'm sure many of them probably never thought they'd have to do, especially if you're a planner and a preparer uh, and you're looking, you know, always looking ahead, you've had to learn how to navigate a really uh, a rapidly changing environment for your business. Are there some businesses that have been more resilient um, maybe just the nature of the business itself and other ones that have just been, you know, you just kind of shake your head and say, good luck. Yeah, I, you know, I think um, I've been so impressed by uh, all of our industry sectors and how they've managed to become innovative and creative during this time. And I think what we've seen with, with COVID is a very binary impact. We've had, you know, if you are a provider of those essential services, then you've done, in fact, you're, you're trying to 
scale your growth in a way. It's a very opposite impact. You know, Isn't that the, weird? It is weird, right? It's, uh, it's, you know, if you're in the distribution or, or the food service world or uh, the essential services uh, businesses, you've had to suddenly figure out how to scale up very rapidly, which presents its own challenges. You know, grow, growing too quickly it can be as challenging as, as not growing at all, but uh, but what we've seen with our service sector businesses that are very front-facing uh, and rely on that face-to-face interaction, certainly our restaurants um, and, and gathering places, mm. uh, our personal care businesses, they've been so, that's been the exact opposite for them. They've had to learn how to navigate with um, with a completely different model. Uh, and I think the, the, the life cycle of some businesses are just, is just very challenging. So restaurants, their inventory cycle is very rapid. They're, they're not, you know, they're buying fresh products, but they don't know how many people they can allow in the door. So they've had to yeah. be really nimble with their cash uh, flow and their operational costs. Um, so, you know, what we've what we've advocated for and what we've been trying to to work with businesses and our elected officials on, and we, we were having these conversations in, in March, is don't think that stimulus is a one-time thing. Stimulus has to be at least for, you know, back then we were saying at least through the end of the year, and as we're learning potentially longer, uh, that especially stimulus for our small businesses is an ongoing uh, process. Uh, so we were thrilled that the uh, payroll protection program did reach the goals of keeping keeping businesses operational, keeping them cash flow positive in many instances, and enabling them to retain their staff. You know, I was certainly disappointed in in, in late July, early August, that there was no deal made on continued stimulus because what we're seeing now is this. Uh, this cliff that we're looming over, and as you're hearing, uh, you know, there. I think finally, um, our our uh, our government officials in Washington recognize that we've got to do something before the year end, and it might not be everything. But what we've strongly advocated for is is preserve our small businesses. They are the heart. They are the driver of our economy. They need continued cash flow and stimulus if they're if we're going to remain uh, viable well and it's it's heartbreaking for the small businesses and the for-profits but it's equally heartbreaking for some of our treasured nonprofits and um and cultural and arts organizations that they're always struggling to begin with to be able to keep the lights on and such. And you've got organizations like the Tri-Cities Opera or some of the other theater groups or the Robertson Museum or Copernic Observatory that they have some degree of payroll to meet also and expenses to meet also, but they're finding they can't get people through the gates to or into the theaters to watch. And they've tried to be very innovative with doing virtual performances and things like that, but that cannot be bringing in the kind of money that ticket sales would. Uh, you're basically giving away your product for free um, while you're looking to waiting for stimulus and uh, payroll protection for even the not-for-profits. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, if you think of them as just small businesses, they operate right. in very much the same way. I think we can take some comfort in the fact that we have tremendous 
leadership and passionate directors at all of these organizations, and I'm continued to be optimistic about our future because of their passion for what they do and the service they provide to that community, to our community. It's such a critical point, uh, part of our quality of life. But similarly, just as they function, like I said, as a small business. You know, they, they've come to terms with that their operations, you know, this year and going into probably much of next year will not be uh, what they're used to doing. It will not be that in, you know, face-to-face interaction. So I, you know, commend the, the creativity that they've, they've done with, with programming. I know the opera is putting on a, a Carols and Cocoa event on Sunday. Really innovative, neat stuff that we all really need to get behind and support um, but in the interim, just like with the the small for profits, uh, we have to we have to make it a priority to find ways to keep their you know keep their cash flow uh, positive to keep them operational. Because I think it would be a very bleak uh, reality if if somehow we come out of this uh, pandemic when we do and and we will uh, to find that the heart of our uh, arts and culture communities are are not able to uh, sustain themselves. So it's a, it's a it's a cooperative and a collaborative effort uh, that we have to do uh, collectively. And you know we've we've converted a lot of our financing programs to emergency loan programs uh, to help our small businesses. We are we can only do our for profits, but there's been tremendous partnerships. Um, with the Community Foundation and United Way and another, multiple funders to create programs for individuals and nonprofits. And uh, we've actually put some of our, what, one thing we could do to assist a non, the nonprofit community is uh, we have a pro, we're par, a participant in the New York Forward Loan Fund uh, that can help nonprofits in the community. So it can provide that. Um, the operational financial support that they may need right now. So it's very important that you know we're trying to continue to get the word out on that program because that can be of service to our nonprofits as well. That's the thing that's great about the Greater Binghamton Chamber of Commerce and the agency kind of have been really steering things since the start of this with, you know, quick, let's get together, let's powwow, what needs to be done, let's uh, brainstorm on what we can do, what programs are out there, and help get the businesses connected with those programs and those grants and those assistance things that, you know, a lot of us, we've never been here before, and we just sit down and go, now what do we do? Right. It's nice to know that there's some place you know that you can turn and say, now what do I do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so we're yeah, reaching th- the end of the year, so now what do we do? So now what do we do, right? I think, you know, um, you know, and everything I've been, been tuning into, but what we're seeing certainly here in our local community is, you know, as I, I said uh, towards the beginning, I think you know we have to assume more of the same into much of 2021. You know, and that's good. I mean, I think that's good to level set our expectations. Not you know, it's not a pessimistic attitude. It's a it's a making sure that we go into 2021 knowing we're going to continue to see uh, capacity restrictions. Um, we're going to see you know as much reduced. Um, uh, you know, we're going to want to continue to socially distance and continue to follow those public health guidelines. So how do you steer your business towards that? that that's the big question. I think some, 
some things that businesses can look at now. Um, you know, so much of this year for business, especially our small businesses, was reactive. It was okay. I just have to. I have to make sure that my staff can get set up at home. I have to make sure that I have policies in place. I have to make, you know, I have to, you know, it was so reactive to something none of us had ever experienced, and we were doing it at the first time. Hopefully, in the weeks ahead, as we as we quiet down a little bit, as we tend to do with the holidays, but also because we are continuing to see increased uh, positive cases and increased hospitalizations, it's a good time to slow down, uh, take a step back, review what you did in 2020 and, and, you know, pat yourself on the back because the fact that you're still, you know, moving forward in 20 at the end of this year is, is, a, is a win, I think. Um, but it's a, it's a good opportunity to take a look. What, what things did I implement that I think are working effectively and what, what wasn't working or where am I still finding the struggles? Um, so I think it's, it's a good time to review I think securing your, you know, your best customers retention right now, I think is your best tool. So if you're a customer-based business, I think reaching out and just uh, checking in with your customers and making sure you're continuing those relationships is is very important uh, to the degree that you can develop a contingency plan. If you have been able, I know it's a struggle for many, but if you are in a position to build some small reserves uh, and build a plan for, you know, in case of another emergency, I know we're still we're still here now, but um, these are some things you can start to look at now. Um, and you know, some other things that aren't these aren't you know, necessarily financial things, but you know, review your your message and your marketing. How how you know how you present yourself now it might be very different to your customers, and your customers may have very different needs. So I think um, I think hopefully as we head into the new year, there's a lot of reasons to be positive. I do think we'll see um, in the weeks ahead, I do think we'll see the passage of some sort of small business and I include nonprofits in that mix, you know, stimulus funding. I think we will, uh, you know, it's, I think we'll start to see activity um, on the vaccine as we're hearing I would, I would still plan, you know, give yourself a few extra months cushion before you think you're going to get back into to normal. Um, but I think, you know, again, I think take a moment and just um, be proud of the, what you've done to just stay afloat. You know, right. um, I think being present in that and recognizing that, um, you know, you're working hard to do the best you can with a lot of unknowns. I, I think, you know, our community should, you know, stick together in that regard um, and continue, I'd say, look for resources, look for financial and non-financial resources. There's, um, we continue to push out and we'll promote and we're keeping our emergency loan programs um, open. We're not changing our terms for for all of 2021. We'll keep that program viable. We still have about, oh, I'd say $400,000 of a, about a million dollar pool to loan uh, we have our partnership with uh, the New York Forward program that can help small businesses, minority-owned businesses, nonprofits. Uh, so there are financial resources out there, and just consider us a resource, even just if you need to, you know, let off some steam and tell us how you're doing. You oh, know, that's we we want to be an anchor um, in getting in getting 
our community through this. Yeah, one thing that we have a blessing that some of the communities in the rest of the nation, and you had to just almost cry for them when they also got hit by weather disasters in the midst of all this, and you know, there but for the grace of God. Mm-hmm. So uh, we we have do have some blessings to count as well. Well, we're hoping for a happier New Year, and uh, I have to say one of the not-for-profit directors that has been on this program recently really had an inspirational message about how he looked at this as an opportunity to seize a new direction and a new way of presenting what it is they do and to look at it that way as an opportunity to do things differently and explore new opportunities and and ventures and ways of doing things might might be not a bad way of looking at it absolutely i've heard you know i've heard more and more community leaders business leaders uh, say, you know, I see this as an opportunity for our community. Uh, I see this as a, a way to check in and uh, build build new and uh, stronger partnerships and, you know, come out stronger. And I, and I do think we will uh, come out stronger. The, the hard part is when you're in the thick of it, as, as yeah. you still are, um, is, is staying optimistic. But, you know, we want to encourage people to stay positive and stay optimistic. We, we do see a brighter, brighter days ahead. We are out of time. Stacy Duncan, thank you very much for being my, my guest. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Stay well. Thank you. This has been the Southern Tier Close-Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of this station. This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. I'm Kathy White for the Southern Tier Close-Up. Hi, my name is Suzanne Geis. I tried everything.